0: Australia it is, part of the sporting capital, the weekend warm-up. Thursday night, big weekend of AFL, big weekend of NRL, a lot going on. We've got the Live Golf in Adelaide. I'm looking forward to getting over there Saturday morning. It's a little different. I know that if you're a traditionalist golf lover, you're probably a PGA man or woman, but I think it's going to be outstanding. Looking forward to that and already the scenes that are coming out of it. Scotty Cummings will join us this hour because Friday Night Footy, this time tomorrow night, AFL Nation is how you hear it, right around the nation, and it's a big one. Two teams are rolled into the season. The Fremantle Dockers coming off a, a finals win, ironically, over the Dogs, full of optimism. Luke Jackson goes into the club, a, fi- a midfield that is getting stronger as time goes on, and they're 2-3. and three, And there's a couple of bad losses thrown in there against the Western Bulldogs team who you could argue as one of the best lists in the league. They added Rory Lobb. Darcy's there. is going to get better. Aaron Norton is Aaron Norton. Marcus Bondapelli's there. They're deep in the midfield, and they've struggled. And last Saturday night, when the game was there for the taking in the fourth quarter at Port Adelaide, they let it down. So Scotty Cummings to join me this hour to talk not just about that, but a couple of other things from the West. And Josh Jenkins. We have a grand final rematch. And I want this on the record. The grand final rematch, in my mind, has to be real early. Real early. Round one or round two. Because it does get diminished. I know GMHBA Stadium, they're going to unfill the flag Saturday night. It's, it's nowhere near what probably would have been had it been round one or round two. I understand it's, it's hard to criticize the AFL. And I'm, I don't want to do that because the first few rounds have been unreal. But it just feels it's lacking a little bit this grand final rematch. So JJ to tell us about what it's like to, to roll on in and play against a team that belted you in the biggest prize only six or so months earlier. But I want to start with this. A lot of negativity. A lot of negativity in sport. A lot of negativity in society. And I'm not immune to dipping the toe into it. So what I want to do here three hundred seven three six seven three six one three hundred. 736 736 Seven three six seven three six. What what do you what are you what's making you happy? What's making you positive? What are you positive about? The very fact is that we're talking about Nick Dakos, and people are being critical of Nick Dakos, is the perfect example of how sometimes we get caught up in tall poppy syndrome or the negative side of sport. One 736 I want to start. I'm going to start with Tim English. I grew up a Western Bulldogs fan, so I am partial to the red, white, and blue. And when you draft a ruckman in the first round and a very skinny ruckman as he was, you you do expect a little while for this player to develop. And he went to a good team. The Dogs have been good. Played in a grand finals part of that, played a finals as well. So I'm I'm going to start with Tim English. If you're a Western Bulldogs fan, he's the best ruckman in the game through the first five weeks. And there's an argument to say that he's the most valuable player in the competition because the Dogs have won a couple of games and he has been brilliant in them. So Team English is one of my big ticks. Positivity, be happy. And that's what I want from you. Hey, closeness of the comp. I, I get there are still some interesting wrinkles around free agency and equalization and people argue it. I am someone who thinks that free agency and equalization of the comp is not quite perfect, but pretty darn close. We have a lot of teams that have shared premierships in the last decade since free agency came in. And we also have a situation where when it comes to the draft and not being compromised once we got through the, the Giants and the Suns being embedded in the competition, I think that every opportunity, the salary cap is policed perfectly. We legitimately have no bloody idea what's going to happen. We've got an extra game this year and I think 15 games could win you the minor premiership. So the closeness of the comp is a big positive thumbs up one i have still got three more to go but someone else might go with them so let's get to the phones Hassan's in Bandura wants to talk a little bit about the Collingwood Football Club hello to you
1: g'day how you going
0: good mate fire away
1: Excellent. Just done some shopping, mate. I'm in the car and I thought, I can't help myself. I wouldn't mind calling in and just have a quick chat about the Pies. Love it. Um, Look, I just want to say, look, I won't entertain the Nick Dacos discussion because we know he's superb and, you know, he's only just warming up. Imagine when he's going to get going and playing in the midfield, you know, for large chunks of time. Mm -hmm. He'll be amazing. Um, But I just want to talk about the Pies. At full flight with the list, um, you know, with minimal injuries, I, I'm so confident in this list and what the club's done, including a few years ago making the tough decisions. They've brought in the right youngsters, and their their superb off-season recruitment um, last preseason was superb. And this is a better side, in my opinion, than the 2010 Premiership team. Um, so I know I know it hasn't you know achieved anything yet, but. I genuinely watch a lot of football, and I think this is a much better side than 2010.
0: It's something to be excited about, and there's no doubt they were outstanding last year, oh so close to winning that prelim and, and making a grand final. The the continual improvement from guys like Nick Dacos for a start, Jordan Goey, who is actually on my list for positive, positive, happy things. The start of Jordan Goey's year has been overshadowed somewhat by Nick Dacos, but Jordan goey has been best on ground in, in two of those games, even though he... He missed last week. I was on, I was on AFL Trade Radio uh, at the end of last year, and I'm a Mason Cox fan. I love what he does, but I'm also a massive Brodie Grundy guy, and I wasn't 100% sold on making the decision that they did. McStay's come in and has been okay, although he's out for a while now. Frampton has been unbelievable. Mitchell, likewise, and Bobby Hill, they're all playing better football than they did. In Bobby Hill and Frampton's case, they've probably played the best football they've ever played, and well, we know Tom Mitchell's won a Brownlow, but he's been able to slide in seamlessly. So there is no doubt the decisions they made last off season have majority worked and made this team much better and deeper. Thank you, Hassan. That's a nice call. They're up and about the pies, and of course, you can do the exact same thing. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I will. I will say that number five, in no particular order was Jordan Dugowie for the very fact is that uh, I think people get frustrated watching a guy with immense talent, make mistakes away and do stupid things. And he put himself in those situations. And then all of a sudden he gets his hand up, the pies back him in financially and contract wise. Next thing you know, he starts the season like he ended last year when he had outstanding finals. He's a guy who loves the biggest stage and looking forward to him being back after his illness on Tuesday, but it's, it's a, it's a big, big tick is a Jordan Degoe playing good footy and being a better bloke off the football field. I think it's great for the AFL. Andrew's in Box Hill. Andrew, fire away, man.
1: Hi. Um. Look, I'd just like to give a big tick to the, the new inclusion. Bobby Hill is just been really exciting and you know, really good for, for footy. And, you know, further note, like I really like the way that Collingwood is actually embracing the, you know, Aboriginal community with everything that's gone on in the past. I think it's really good that they're making amends and doing what's right and and moving on to the future. I think it's really great what they're doing. And, look, hats off to where Collingwood have been and where they are now. It's really great to see. And it's really making me appreciate footy again. I love,
0: yeah, it. Really love, love it, Andrew. Love very, very well said. There's no doubt the Do Better report, which was a... A thing to do better. That's exactly what the report was titled. They are done a much better situation as a club. They've learned. They've educated themselves. They're welcoming the right people and understanding the mistakes they made in the past. And Bobby Hill comes straight in and plays good footy. In fact, it's the best football he's played. There's there's no doubt. Uh, Pete off the text. That 2010 Premiership side only lost to Geelong all of 2011. This side is nowhere near that yet. Pies are good, but not that good yet. Let's talk about someone... Other than Collingwood, let's see one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let's get to Cal, who's in Packetham. Cal, hello to you. Cal, what's happening, brother? How are you? mate. I'm I'm, I'm psyched. The season's five weeks in. It's close. Teams are playing well. Big weekend ahead of us. Uh, what do you like?
2: Well, oh, brother, I'm just happy. It, it feels like just crazy to have Max gone back. You know, like obviously a few weeks ago he was. Um, Looked as though it was going to be, you know, a pretty, pretty significant injury, you know, and um, and we've missed him, no doubt about it. Um, Grundy's been huge the last couple of weeks, there's no doubt. He had a bit of a doubt last week, but um, you know, he's been he's been awesome in his absence. But you know, to have to have Gawney back, that's going to give us a huge lift, I reckon.
0: A- agreed. Um, I of course, we we look. look you think about it, they played together in well in round one, and they belted the Bulldogs around. And, and Tim English is the informed ruckman in the game. Grody's played some good footy, some really good footy. He's working his way from a a disrupted you know, last 12 or so months as well. And for this team to have a real crack at a premiership, which I tipped them to win the flag pre-season on the way that these two would work together. So they needed him back sooner rather than later for about 15 different reasons. And the fact he is back much sooner than it looked like when he limped off the ground in Brisbane in round two, I think it's outstanding.
2: It's huge. So I think you know having having Lever back as well, Cam. I mean, um, you know a lot of people have have said that you know Stephen May's probably the big dog down there in the back six, which he is physically. But in terms of I think structure, um, uh, leadership in particular, and just I guess overall structure and the way Melbourne play, it's you saw last week with Lever not being there that I reckon he's he's our most important defender and one of the more important players for Melbourne to be honest. Um, He's huge when it comes to that.
0: I don't disagree with that. What I will say is that that defence, in particular when they won that flag in 2021, you could argue when Lever's not there, he becomes the most important player because Stephen May plays better when Lever is there. When Stephen May isn't there and Lever is, you argue that Stephen May is the best defender and the most valuable because they link together so well and hold that back six together. So uh, there is no doubt they're both extremely important to his team going deep and uh, trying to do what they did in front of not many of their hardcore Melbourne Demons fans. Our man Benny Lyon out the back is one of them. So they want to get back to the MCG and do it in front of their home fans, which I assume, Cal, is, uh, is one like you
2: hundred percent, mate. We'll be there. It's going to be a ripper. I reckon um, the boys have put the foot down. and I reckon I'll get a comfortable win, You know, maybe six goals, I reckon, 35 plus.
0: I like where your head's at, mate. I like confidence as well. I appreciate your call, man. Make sure you do it again. Cheers, Cam.
2: There we go. one three hundred seven three six
0: seven three six 736 736 to get involved. We're working through positive, happy thoughts and situations from the first five weeks. Tim English, closeness of the comp, Jordan DeGoey. Isaac Rankin. This is a cool story. There's a kid who had a great deal of pressure on him when he got drafted, the Gold Coast Suns. And it happens a lot, and I think it's part of the conversation that has to be had around the Gold Coast Suns going forward is that players leave and then go play good footy, and is that because they're back home feeling better, surrounded by family and friends, there's not as much pressure on them, or is it a tangible thing inside the Suns' wall where they just – don't get the best out of players. I don't know the answer, and I sure as hell I'm not the person to try and find out. But Isaac Rankin, when you take big cash and you go home and you're early in your career and you haven't quite, in the eyes of many, done enough to justify the rumoured pay packet, although I don't think it's as high as some of the numbers were given in the trade period last year, you've got to be able to handle all of that. He is a kid who doesn't seem to care. He just rolls on in, him and Rochelle, Fogarty, Tex Walker, who's still playing good footy, inside 50. They're one of the most, just like overnight, the Adelaide Crows are gone from one of those teams that I didn't know were going to be good or bad. I was really not sold on them to all of a sudden being this this team that's fun to watch, must watch, and it's led by Isaac Rankin. And my fifth one is Ross Lyon. All right, St. Kilda, but Ross Lyon. St. Kilda are great. Four and one, got a huge injury list. We're talking about injuries around some of these teams that have hit, you know, a month into the AFL season. Legitimately, St Kilda had this injury list prior to round one. No high profile forward. Max King's still out. Membry back in this week. Still gets hurt in week two. He's back this week. And they're doing it on the back of low profile guys. Mason Cox, Mason Cox, Mason Wood is in all Australian form. They've been outstanding. Higgins is great inside 50. And because of that, Ross Lyon, people seem to, because Ross Lyon hasn't got the premiership, they seem to underestimate, undersell what Ross Lyon's able to do as a coach. He took St Kilda, a toe poke and a bad bounce from back-to-back flags. And I know that in a lot of sports, your legacy depends solely on winning the ultimate, whatever sport that might be. I think it's a little bit harsh in the AFL world because they're at 22, 23 now with a sub, players in a team on any given night or any given day I'm happy for Ross Lyon he rolls on out he seems a lot more comfortable and happy and enjoying life and away they go I like where they're at and I'm not again I'm no St Kilda fan they're playing good footy and they get an opportunity on Sunday to to do it again and have a real crack at a pretty decent team in Carlton who will be smarting after what happened to kickstart gather round last week. Just before we get to the ad break and Scotty Cummings, uh, Tom is in Thomastown. Hello, Tom.
3: Hey Cam. Um, so, yeah, two uh, players, uh, yeah. both stayed at their clubs um, last year and um, both uh, sort of clicked as players. And uh, that's uh, Lacocious at Gold Coast. Um, you know, uh, he was a number one, oh, number two draft pick and, he would have been under a lot of pressure just like rankin and um to you know perform how he's performed in a couple of games this year is is great and hopefully um he can you know uh get Ben king up with him and, and gold coast can turn their form around because that'd be great for them and from a geelong point of view uh asava radigalia is one of the loveliest men um going around and you know he's just a great-looking player. He's always been a very good-looking player. He does you know, breathtaking things sometimes, but as breathtaking as he would be, he would be as frustrating sometimes. <laughs> but going back in defence, hes uh, it's all starting to click for him, and he's looking really good. And the best thing is, he's doing it in Geelong colours, and he didn't go to Port Adelaide, and he's not doing it there, because that would have been heartbreaking.
0: Absolutely. I'll start with Lukosius, who was unbelievable in the first half last week against Fremantle, and not this similar to what we spoke about with Dacos. Stewie jew has got to find a way and has been able to do it at certain times this year to be able to utilize what Jack LaCroce does really well. And that's kicked the ball really well. And he did that last week. Brennan Cox didn't go near him. And his first half was a huge reason as to why Gold Coast went inside 50 with a fair bit of fluency, which is something they struggled with a little bit earlier in the season. When it comes to Radigaleer, He's the perfect third defender because he's athletic and his ability to be able to uh, pick it off when it's a high ball, when you've got really good DeConing, or you, you've got Stewart or you've got these guys down back blitzers if he goes back makes him a really athletic third defender. I think the question on him and he's still got to learn is when he's actually got to stop someone one-on-one. And it happened a few times when Stewart was out injured and it looked like it was going to be a little bit of a, a pain in the backside, but he's the perfect third defender for Geelong and that's what they tagged him for. And, uh, I think if it continues that way where Touchwood, the rest of their main defenders who were so good last year, uh, stay healthy, then there's no doubt he's going to be a huge, huge bonus for the Cats in the way that, uh, well, the way you win football games nowadays, you pick it off and you go from defense to offense. Quickly, uh, Jeff's in reservoir to finish us off. Scotty Cummings to join us after the break. Hello, Jeff.
1: Yeah, how are you? I just heard you talking about St Kilda losing the grand final by a bad bounce. Yeah. Yeah, well, did, did you watch the whole game, actually? Because the third quarter, didn't Chris Dawes get a bad bounce in the goals square when no-one was around him for 50 metres? So, uh, I guess Collingwood was the grand final by
0: a kick, too. Well, actually, in the end, Collingwood won the flag, and the actual point I was making is that nothing that Ross Lyon could have done any differently to coach, and they could have actually won back-to-back flag. So I wasn't saying St Kilda should have certainly won the game. I was using it as a point to show that Ross Lyon is an outstanding coach, even though he hasn't got the premierships in the back pocket, which people too often, I think, in AFL, actually hang legacy on. Well,
1: I know coming from Reservoir, there's a lot
0: of people around there who think he can't coach for crap. Okay, okay. Well, maybe that the people around Reservoir maybe need to watch more football. So you don't think Ross Lyon can coach?
1: Well... Has he won a premiership?
0: Ah, so there we go. There we go. So because he hasn't won a flag, because he hasn't. So you're a Collingwood guy?
1: No, that's nothing to do with. Oh no, I'm asking. Are are you?
0: Are you a Collingwood guy?
1: I actually like Ross Lyon because I'm from Reservoir, so he played for Reservoir Colts. So So this is coming from people from his own club. Yeah, I I, do. But Collingwood. But I like Ross Lyon. Yeah. So do you think he can actually coach? So you
0: do think he can coach. coach? So you do think he the can coach. You coach?
1: Good, I'm, I'm glad. With the right mix, he can win a premiership.
0: With the right list, he can win a premiership. All right, there you go. Hey, yeah, uh, Jeff, love your chat, mate. Hey, enjoy the weekend. Good luck to your pies on Tuesday. He's gone, and like that, we'll go to a break. Scotty Cummings on the other side of this.
4: Um, I think it's it's a bit more subtle than you know we've got to get some revenge, but I think it's a bit of a it doesn't almost need to be said at all, I think everyone who plays, particularly if you play them early in the year, we played Richmond in round two uh, in 2018 off the grand final and uh, clearly the Sydney Geelong game this weekend is uh, is still pretty early in the season so I think when it's early in the year there's a bit more to it but I don't even think, you know, we're all adults we, we, uh, we can cast our minds back and remember how we felt I think, you know, nothing even needs to be said, it's it's uh, it's just there bubbling away under the surface for the team that got beaten. Particularly, um, particularly, I think, when you play them... So it's a bit different for Geelong and Sydney. It's at a different ground again. But for us, we were, you know, thinking, well, they're going to come to Adelaide this time. It's going to be a different uh, a different start of affairs. And in the end, that was the case.
0: It was in the case for you as well, because you tore Alex Rance apart, if I recall correctly.
4: <laughs> well, um... Not enough. Now I'm going to get sidetracked here a little bit. Not enough to get a Brownlow vote. Oh, no. I um, remember, remember going to the Brownlow, and uh, and I had a consistent year in 2018, my, probably my most consistent, but didn't have a lot of big games. And I thought I missed out on a vote. I was sitting there at the Brownlow in round two. I thought, geez, I'm not going to get a vote here the whole year until round 23 because I didn't have another game that was uh, that was good enough to warrant a vote. And, uh, sure enough, uh, last round of the year, Jay Jenkins gets a vote. So it was a long night at the Brownlow that year. But um, it was um, yeah, it was interesting. It was a game where it was hyped up, the crowd was hyped up, and uh, the narrative from the from the sports media um, was you know of course the, the the payback and the Crows lost the unlosable grand final. Can they beat the Tigers? So a lot of it was about that and how good Richmond were going to be in twenty eighteen. So. Um, absolutely, it was a big game and uh, and one that we we all look forward to. But I think for the for the team that lost, it's a bit, there's a bit of extra nerves involved. For the team that won the grand final, you're almost playing with house money. Mm.
0: It is interesting because I'm a firm believer that unless the grand final rematch or the two opponents play earlier in the season, it kind of loses so much of its luster. I, I firmly believe it should be in week one, the opening start of the AFL or any season. But as it stands right now, we get to a little bit of... uh, There's a little bit of drama around it, mainly because the flag hasn't been unfurled yet and back to GMHBA Stadium. But I I think with the injuries and the fact that two teams that aren't exactly setting the world on fire does kind of take a little away from this weekend, which wasn't the case when you played Richmond all those years ago. Yeah, I
4: think so. And personnel plays a big part too. From I cast my mind back to that 2018 game, both teams were... We're pretty well full strength with the same, largely the same players who played in the grand final. Whereas if you look at Geelong, there'll be a handful of players who didn't play. And then also, if you look at the Swans, well, they've got, I don't know whether they've got a defender in their back mm-hmm. six who actually uh, is out there who played in the grand final. So their team's completely different. You know, there's queries over Lance Franklin, uh, even if he gets named, I guess, whether he plays or not. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot different... Uh, this time around compared to, uh, to years
0: gone by. Now, just before I let you go, you're a huge part of the SEN track crew on a Saturday in particular. You weren't there with us last Saturday because you're off chasing cash uh, in local football. Now, my my sources suggested that you played about 35 seconds. Do you still take the cash when you just wander up just to get a, a tick off the games played for finals qualification?
4: Well, you need news sources, Cam. I never even—I uh, never even jumped in the car and went up to to that part of the world up in, uh, up in Sea Lake. I—I um, backed myself to a corner. i got the day off, SEN track, mm. so I could go up and play, and then um, my Achilles was just uh, no good. So I decided not to play and then not to go. And my wife said, "Well, I'm still going. I'm going to go up. You can stay home with the twins." So I was stuck at home all weekend with the twins. So I didn't get to work and I didn't get to play. So um, I'm uh, I'm aiming to play uh, not this weekend, next weekend at St. Arnold. So uh, hopefully that's the
0: debut for the mighty Sea Lake Nandalee Tigers. There we go. The cash is rolling through the veins. As always, JJ, love hearing from you, mate. Are you AFL Nationing this week? Uh, Just doing
4: crunch time on Sunday with uh, Sarah Ollie's actually uh, taking uh, Sunday off for uh, some unknown reason. Tommy Morris will... I presume, uh, steer the ship as the host and uh, calculating Kel Twomey, as they they call him on SEM Breakfast, is jumping in the chair. So, been enjoying the Sunday crunch time. Uh, Benny Lyon uh, does an okay job looking after us. I wouldn't say excellent job, I'd just say okay, And uh, things are going nicely. So, 11 to 1 Sunday... The premier crunch time. Saturday's just a curtain raiser for us, uh, Cam.
0: Hard to disagree with any of that. We appreciate your time. I especially appreciate you having a chat about something that you don't like to have to remember too much <laughs> of that 2017 grand final, mate. So thank you, and uh, I'll see you Saturday. Nah, all
4: good. I like talking about round two, 28, <laughs> just not round 26. 2017, but uh, appreciate it all the
0: same. Josh Jenkins, crunch time, of course. Sunday from 11s, and part of the AFL Nation and SEN track crew. A quick break. Plenty more on the way next. It's the weekend warm-up on a Thursday night. Cam Luke, part of the Sporting Capital. We're going to get now to our main man, Scotty Cummings, in the West, of course. Coleman medalist. Nineteen ninety nine, part of SENWA, Tim Gossage and himself, wake up the state each and every morning and a part of the AFL Nation team. And Friday night footy comes to the West tomorrow night. You hear it right across the nation on AFL Nation. The Dockers and the Bulldogs. Scotty is a welcome you in. I want to start with the forward line of the Fremantle Dockers. It's been an issue since Matthew Pavlich retired. It continues to be the major source of concern. Can they kick enough goals to not just win tomorrow, but do what a lot of people suggested they could do and have a crack at a flag?
5: Uh, well, firstly, g'day, Ken. It's really to be talking to you again. Um, after making your career probably <laughs> five or six years ago, you've gone on to good things. And uh, true to be speaking to you, mate, well, the forward line, is, is, it was their issue last season. It was the thing holding them back. And... It, it, look, it appears to be that's the same problem now, but it's not so much a personnel thing, it's a connection thing, and they're trying to figure out what their best forward line is. Um, no doubt about it. But, um, and I like the look of this guy in the couple of games we saw last year, but Jai Onis, he's arrived. He arrived last weekend, mm-hmm. and it's enough for me to say um, build it around him. Build it around him. Tabana. That, well, he, he gets injured and maybe pushing up the ground a little bit, he seems to take marks up high, half-forward on the wing, but down forward he's had a, you know, a handful of bags of goals and that's about it. Um, and it costs a lot of pressure, Matt Taverner, as well. Maybe and, we, and, then, and I think that's based on potential. I think everyone expected bigger things from him, but maybe he has played the best footy he can possibly play, um, which just wasn't what everyone expected was hoping it was going to be or expecting it was going to be. But I still think, mate, that I'm one of the very few that still believe that Luke Jackson could be a very good forward. Now, the first problem with that, though, is that he doesn't want to be one. So he wants to play in the rough. He wants to play you know, on the wing or in the middle, and he wants to row. But, yeah, so then I'm an extension of that, too, is did Frey go after the wrong man? Um yeah, he was the number one big man that everyone wanted and Freo got him, but was he fit for their needs. They need a forward and that was the one thing holding about they need a key forward, which they haven't had, as you said, since Pam's gone. And they're still trying to find out who that is. Josh Tracy keeps getting a couple of goes. Um, it just seems a bit off the pace, but he, he also up until this point, from all reports, is he has not wanted to work as hard as he'd have to work to play AFL footy. Um, I believe he's getting that work rate up, but now he's got to figure out whether he's good enough to play I have to off footy, but Joy Armas, they put it all around him and see what he can build, because their small brigade's good, but uh, this year too, the problem is too that they're getting beaten up in the midfield a fair bit Not their elite midfield last year, um, Brayshaw and Sarong, or Will Brody, Will Brodie's only just come back into the team they miss David Mundy's just, I guess, cool composure and but I don't think they want to contest the ball count this year, and uh, that's an issue. So getting the supply to the forwards is a bit of a problem
0: at the moment. The, the big thing about the Fremantle Dockers midfield, right, is that in the end it will get back to a level to where it was last year. They haven't been as good, but I, I think it's an aberration this year not last. So I, I, I back the midfield at some point, their age profile and the way they go about it to get back on top. The Luke Jackson one's an interesting one. I, I know they played Gold Coast last week who aren't exactly setting the world on fire, but he definitely looks better inside yeah. 50 last week each and every week. So if they can convince him, That playing inside, at this particular point, inside 50 is the best thing for him and the team. It goes a long way. And I don't think they went for the wrong guy, mainly because they had no choice. Luke Jackson wanted to go home to Western Australia. The West Coast Eagles weren't in a position to have a crack at him, and you just can't let what many people see to be a generational talent with a premiership and a key component of a premiership when they won it in his back pocket. They just had no choice. It kind of got thrust upon them, so they had to get him, even though it hasn't quite worked early on. But I think in the end we'll look at Luke Jackson in seven, eight years, maybe a decade down the track of being a very good footballer. I don't believe they should let Rory Lobb go. They had a they had What?
5: A, what? I, but this isn't... <laughs> is because he's ended up at your team? <laughs> yeah, I'm no, I'm, no I'm, I'm not a Rory Lobb fan. No, um, clearly. And and the fact that uh, he's wanted out for two years yep. at that football club, he doesn't want to be there. And then on the way out, says, well, I don't think I was coached well. I don't you know, I felt didn't feel connected to the footy club. And well, maybe it was the fact that you wanted to leave champ. And also, when he goes oh, he had a career-best career best season. His career-best season was 36 goals as the number one forward in the Fremantle pool line. 36 goals,
0: count. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you.
5: And but it, it's, it's, it's much... He's a 23-centimetre athlete who has got every attribute under the sun but doesn't deliver at all. So... Absolutely. The bloke didn't want to be there. He didn't? He hasn't hasn't wanted to be there for two years. No. Get him out of your football
0: club. Yeah, well, he was. And even though you you mentioned a couple of things there about his uh, 36 goals, he was still the best forward they had, and he was under contract. And I understand the whole guy. He doesn't want to be there. And I, I, I get all of that. But well, I also. If he's the
5: best forward they've got, mate. If he's the best forward they've got. Then they go, well, geez, we've got some issues. That's well, the best we've got. We well, need, we need more than that. They you do. Do just keep them because they're the best one they've got if they're not going to get the job done for? you.
0: Well, he kicked thirty-six goals in a team that last year went to a second week of the finals. And I'm not saying long term, hmm. but he was under contract. He was under contract this year. Of no, which they could, much, You know that. No, it doesn't. But now we're searching, the same conversation is continual, saying who is the guy inside 50 who can kick goals? I get all of the stuff around Rory Lobby. He didn't want to be there. He wanted to get to Melbourne, and in the end they facilitated it. And it may have even been a simple situation where 12 months ago they had said, you give us a really good 2022, and we will make sure we trade you at the end of it. So good on Fremantle for Sticking to their side of the bargain, yet we sit here today and we have no idea who's going to kick goals. And I don't think he, anyone on this, no one right on right this right team right is right going right to kick right thirty-six right goals, sure. Scotty. No Obviously forward. <laughs> is a forward going to kick thirty-six goals for the Dockers this year? Um, John
5: Aramis could. John Aramis could if. Is that the moment? John Aramis has played a handful of games with footy, mm. but he's been a. He's been a hasn't been the go-to man or he hasn't been the, the focus of theirs. He's just been, okay, get in there, champ, and see how you go. Um, where I think as they build it around him and with the help of Luke Jackson, if Luke Jackson can get his head around that, his team will be a heap better off if he plays 80% forward and then 20% in the ruck and gives Sean Darcy a chop out. Because Darcy can go forward too when he's having a spell and, and have an impact down there. If Luke yeah. Jackson get in his head... that. For the sake of my team, and this early in my career as well, I can make a huge difference to my team in the in the forward line. And absolutely, he could. I, I, I think that he could be a I Like I said, yeah, I'm one of the few that believe he could be a good forward, um, and should play more forward than than Ruck. They've got to get they've got to convince him of that, which is strange nowadays. Is I come at a time was you do as you're told. You're playing here, and you'll do as you're told. Nowadays, it's a little bit. Well, it's a lot different. But he could, he could absolutely kick 36 goals. There's no doubt about it. He's you half. after. At the moment, though, they're still trying to find out what their best mm. what their best forward line set-up looks like. And I don't think, because of the midfield battles that they're having, and they're just starting to turn it around, I reckon Brayshaw Shaw Sarong especially, are just starting to turn it around a bit. They'll get more of an opportunity. They'll get to see what their forward line can do when they're getting proper supply.
0: Scotty Cummings joins us as we head towards a big Friday night clash, the Dockers and the Bulldogs, similarly placed on the ladder as well. So getting these wins not just means four points. In some occasions it means eight. Nat Fife. Last year you called for him to be traded and honestly everyone whacked you, Scotty. Now no, I know mean, I got food
5: for that. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't uh, for any it wasn't trying to create headlines or anything like that. i I just thought that They could have traded that fight while he was worth something. What's he worth now, Cam?
0: Well, I'm not certain. Need to get him back on the park. Of course, they're interested in him playing forward, of which he hasn't had a great deal of time forward. I will ask you, though, I'm not saying you're saying they're going to trade him or all the rest of it, and he's an unrestricted free agent, but do you think he'll be at the club next year? Do you think he'll be in Dockers Colours or elsewhere?
5: Well, it would be hard to see him elsewhere because because of this... um, I guess, desire to treat, and he has been a, a club great, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that, but, but in, in my opinion, he hasn't been a great footballer for three to four years now. Um, like when, like when he's out there, he can, he can have a bit of an impact, but he hasn't for that period of time, and he's rarely out there now. So, you know, Fremantle, if they want to be, well, not taking seriously is the wrong thing, because they've been taken seriously, but it's Clubs make ruthless decisions, and they get hammered for it in the in the beginning, but then it, they understand the, the club's bigger than any individual, and if you've got a player, whether he's a past captain, whether he's the best player that's ever played for your club in the history of the club or not, that has barely contributed for three to four years now, you have to make a really hard, brutal call on that. And if I was Freeman I would have done that last year. Now at the moment that looks vindicated, my opinion there looks vindicated, but he's every chance to come back. Um and uh, and play maybe well, yeah, know, I've got no comment that he could come back and play fifteen straight games and, and be huge. But the fact is they're you gonna know, play him forward where he doesn't want to play. He's reluctantly said, Yeah, I'm happy to play forward. Two, he doesn't really know how to play forward and when he does if he does take a mark, his is probably his or his teasing has probably been his biggest uh, weakness in his, his entire game. So what impact is he going to have? Do they put him in the middle and try and put a bigger body around those smaller young guys? And possibly so. They might have to change their thinking on what they want to do with him. But at the end of the day, yeah, what he's contributed to the club is huge. Huge. No doubt about that. But over the past four years or three years, has been minimal. And I can't see that changing. It's going to take, generally when you get older and you start getting injury after injury, you don't just a year later, all of a sudden, don't get injured anymore. These things continue to happen and it's hard to wind back the clock as much as you want to. But I, I can't see him coming back into the side and having a big impact. I think they, have to, they will have to make a it brutal. Well. I could be wrong and and he can do that. He can change on his head pretty quickly, but everything suggests... To me that, that Nat Five is done and and not and not gonna ever be near the player that he used to be. So what what do they do with that? And if they did say, if Nat Five says, I've still got fully left in me and I can still go, the Premier will say, Well, we we don't think he we don't think you do and he says, well, I want to play somewhere else. What do they get for him, Cam? You, you study drafts and mm. trades and all that sort of stuff. What, what do they get from Nat Fife right now if his name's on the table?
0: Well, the thing is, being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, you've got to find a club who's going to pay him enough to get over the threshold to give a first-round compensation pick on the way back. And I don't think there's a club who's in a premiership window, as Nat Fife would probably only go somewhere else, to have a half a crack at winning that elusive flag, I don't think there's one who would pay him enough to activate a first-round hmm. compensation pick. Hey, I do want to ask you, though. Well, you would suggest that people agree with me. I, I, I think there's a, there's a much better feeling towards your opinion on Fife this year than there was 12 months ago when you tried to push it. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you, injuries... Wasn't ago. <laughs> <laughs> injuries curtail a lot of players. But I want to give a shout-out, and, and you know more than most when it comes to kicking goals in the West in an Eagles jumper. Oscar Allen's had a really good start to the year. The Eagles haven't. He got stuffed through injury in the last 12 months. Oscar Allen's been good early.
5: He has. He started off um ordinary against North Melbourne, and people were sort of up in arms. And like, hang, just hang, hang tight. He missed the entire season with with a foot injury. He's going to have some rust on him, and they're going to want you to a pre season, and you're not match ready. And that's why the first round, there's always some surprises, and there's always a little bit of rust on all the players. That sort of thing as they find their feet again. Australia was that player in round one, but since then, I think he's got that one out of the way and his confidence has sort of grown in his body and and he's a real leader at West Coast. They rate him highly as a as a leader and a future captain. And he's the he's quickly become the number one man in there. Again, Jack Bailey, Daniel Kowalski of uh the Eagles forward Line. He's the second <laughs> ever, <every> time. So <laughs> he's been, been Joseph Shadows for a long time. And now Oscar Allen I think is in in front of him as well as the go to player and, and the number one forward. So yeah, look, he's, he's going to be a beauty. He's going to take it. He's, he's, I think he's going to get better every week, and um, and he's got a huge future. As I said, future captain of the club, and um, can play. He's, he's much bigger than he looks. Still on the field, he's tall, he's athletic, he's got a great jump, and he's kicking pretty well too. Kicked a couple from outside fifty a couple of weeks ago. The last game I saw them live here in Perth, and um, so yeah, look, he's got all the attributes. But you know what, like again. He, that's nothing that Luke Jackson doesn't have. Mm. Yeah, well, Jackson, since, since, since doing, Jackson's even bigger, probably more athletes. Um, so, but Oscar Allen has all the traits, I think, and yeah, he's an exceptional forward for a long time if his body holds up,
0: yeah. Hey, last one, mate, Anzac Weekend, of course. You've had the privilege oh, and the yeah. honour of doing your finest work on the MCG in front of near on 100,000 people. It's a wonderful weekend of football. It's a wonderful day, and this year it's made even better by the fact that both these teams, for the first time since... Season two thousand are in the top four.
5: No, it's a it's an unbelievable build-up, isn't it? It's been, I guess, tempered a little bit from. I think Collingwood's point of view with their injury list, it's um, it's as far as impact on the team and the structure of the team is probably second only to West Coast injury list at the moment. And yeah, uh, um, you know, I know Essendon's lost that merit, and but on the flip side of that, has lost Taylor Adams. So. Oh, I cannot believe they're the ranking outsiders for this. I'm not sure what else they have to do to be um, considered a, a serious threat. I mean, they, just took the, they just took the D's apart last week after we thought the D's had got their mojo back as well. So um, I can't believe they're so outside for this. Oh, it's the greatest day of the year, Ken. You know that. I've said it to you a thousand times. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest day of the home and away. The year the best atmosphere at the MCG that you'll have other than a prelim final. Um, and the day... I think personally, and you know, I don't want to get political, is the most important day of our year uh, as a country, and um, to be able to to build that the the legacy of the ANZACs and also to to create the I guess the awareness around it. This game has been enormous for that, and uh, give it gives us a chance to say thank you to the people who have given us the life that we are so lucky to lead right now, and. Um, But as far as the games concerns, look, you know where my heart is. One team sacked me and one didn't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can't the pies. But um, I I really think Essendon are up to their neck in this. And, you know, it's not all about betting or gambling, but um, the odds, uh, if you look at odds on games and that sort of stuff, I think there's a real disparity between how this game's going to play out. I think is going to have to pull something pretty special out um, to win.
0: Hey, mate, before I do let you go, just we've worked together a lot over the last decade or so, and I, I've been... We've
5: played together a lot, too. That's always fun, too. That's mate. It's true. Always good talking to you.
0: That's true. Well, I, I do feel a bit bad, because I've spent the better part of the last 20 years incorrectly letting everybody know that you were a decoy on Anzac Day in 2004 (laughs) but i i I went back over i went back over the game and someone's done a statistical analyst uh, analytical view of it now you only had the one touch it was a nice handball but you actually had five one percenters what mick Mick moldhouse wanted was the one percenters from you and apparently had five of them so i undermined your game way too much mate so i apologize
5: Yeah, and and listen, more, one of my football heroes is the great Denver McBrearty, and Dermy, during the call described it as possibly the greatest one possession game he's <laughs> ever seen. So that's good enough for me, Cam. You can stick it up your jumper, pal. Hey, uh,
0: <laughs> Scotty, love chatting, brother. Are you are you on the AFL Nation commentary team tomorrow night or not?
5: Absolutely. Well, we'll do the local, uh, the local call into uh, the W A and to uh, Optus uh, Stadium, so uh, AFL Stadium call. So. Uh, we'll be looking after uh, the local audience uh, on that one, mate. But looking forward to it with Goss and Pete Brajos and Paul Asbury.
0: Uh, four of the absolute superstars of the media world. Scotty, as always, oh, thank you. probably two in there. You can decide. <laughs> <us two>. Anyway. <laughs> on that note, quick break. <laughs> Plenty more next. Right around Australia via the SEN network or the SEN app. The Sporting Capital, we're warming up for the weekend. House of Athletics, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, John Stephenson and myself talking all things athletics after nine. Liz Clay's going to jump on the line. Johnny Steph's going to tell us about what goes through the mind of athletes this time as we head towards what is a long, but in the eyes of them, a short run, the Olympic Games. Paris not far away. So looking forward to the first edition in around 10 minutes' time one three hundred seven three six seven three six. If you want to squeeze a break in the call, we've got about three minutes. So feel free. And if not, let's get to a couple of these text messages. Look, a lot of people talking about, uh, I raised equalization. I, I raised the closeness of the competition. And a lot of this talking about players wanting out. Do you need to do more if you're a club to be able to hold on to them? I think if you're a club, I think it's fairly even nowadays. I understand the frustration. A lot of those text messages come on the back of Ben King, which... It's maybe a little bit harsh because Ben King it's just rumors that he might be leaving the Gold Coast Suns. so they 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 have them under contract kinder if that makes sense essentially what happens is that he can't just leave the football club he wants to go if Ben King chooses to go to the I don't know say it is the say it's the Saints even though I don't think St Kilda is at all a good place for him I don't think Ben and Max King would fit into the same team with the way that AFL's going. But say it is St Kilda. The Gold Coast Suns are still asking top dollar. They've got a first-round draft pick who is extremely valuable, who clubs are chasing, and why wouldn't they, even though he hasn't been in the the greatest of early season touch. That's mainly because he missed more than 12 months of football. The the, the fact is that while it's frustrating and you might not get the 100% return on your dollar, the situation is... He can't just walk out of your football club. And if he does and goes to, say, a preseason draft, that is just unbelievably gutsy and it would not happen. I do, In fact, I'm certain it would not happen with a player like Ben King. So um, I I get it. A lot of these clubs re-sign players before they even play their first game or up them so it's a four-year deal. I know there's always talk about should the AFL make it mandatory that it has to be four years. I don't think... So, although I understand the talk around it, but a lot of these clubs actually do it so that if you get to year three or year four, you're in a situation where you have them under contract or you've been able to get more value out of them, meaning you can ask for more when it comes to trading a player back. So, I, I look, I understand the situation, but I also think that it works fairly well, even though there's a couple of frustrating situations. A lot of people talking about Scotty Cummings. He, he's loved by many Four clubs he played for. I failed to bring this up. There's a couple of Scotty Cummings Cups this week. Port Adelaide played the West Coast Eagles. And, of course, Anzac Day, where he played and started his career with the Essendon Football Club and kicked eight on debut and then ended his career at the Collingwood Football Club. Port Adelaide and the West Coast Eagles in between, kicking a great deal of goals. So a couple of Scotty Cummings Cups this weekend. A lot of people saying they love him and, uh, I'm right in that corner as well. Brett says he backed him English to win the Brownlow at 120 to one. He'd have at least three best on grounds. Brett, I love, I love the forward thinking. He's the best ruckman in the game, or at least the best performed ruckman in the game in the first five weeks. I, I'd find it hard to believe he can win a Brownlow, and that's mainly because of the bias of which the medal always is towards a midfielder. That's the only reason I say that I don't think Team English can win it. And I think it'd be great if Tim English won it or Jeremy Cameron or Stephen May, if we had a key position player or Ruckman win a Brownlow, I think it'd be great for the award. But as we have seen in, when was the last Ruckman? Adam Goods, And he wasn't a stereotypical Ruckman either because he was an incredible player all around the ground. So uh, I hope, I hope for you, Tim English gives you a real shot on Brownline, although I'm a little concerned. A couple of people just asking or suggesting Nathan Buckley would maybe question his coaching style now that Colin would are going about it. Short memories. Nathan Buckley was an exceptionally good coach, and I believe will be an exceptionally good coach at the AFL level at some point again. Now, his last year pretty ugly, hence why in the end he put his hand up, and the club and him decided to part ways after that big Queen's birthday win. And Craig McRae's been unbelievable. Don't get me wrong, not diminishing at all what Craig McRae has been able to do. But, Nathan Buckley took these Colin team took it to a grand final. Dom Sheed broke the heart. Prelim the the week, the year later. A finals win in Perth the week. like. I'm a big Nathan Buckley guy, not just because he works at the station. So, Uh, They're playing incredibly good football, and I think he got everything he could out of that list of Collingwood players. And Craig McRae is doing an exceptional job. But I think to suggest that Nathan Buckley wasn't a great coach, or at least a very good coach, is incorrect. Away we go, wherever you might be. Stay there. House of Athletics, all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, John Stephenson and myself to talk all things track and field Next.